Rabbis call him pastor. Pastors call him rabbi. His patients call him doc. And his New York family calls him Meshuga, crazy, because he believes in Messiah. Welcome to this episode of To Life, where Miles Weiss highlights the hope behind the headlines. Shalom, salam, aloha. Welcome to this edition of To Life. I'm Miles, and we're coming to you from the other Lone Star State. Yes, we are deep in the heart of Texas, and we're here for a family moment. And I'm just so grateful today to have my brother Tom White with us today. He is the director, the founder, and the main perpetrator of Frontline Ministries. And they are uh, creating or finding or developing unity in the body of Christ around the world. I met Tom when I was in graduate school. One of my professors invited me to a conference on spiritual warfare, and Tom was one of the speakers. This is many years ago. I think it was 1987. Is that possible, Tom? It was a long time ago. I graduated in 89, so who knows? But the thought is this. We've had the chance to not only be personally ministered to by Tom and his wife, Terry, his Jewish wife, Terry, when we were in a low point in our ministry life, but also to partner with Tom around seeing the body in our local area in the North Bay of San Francisco and then watching him get launched by the Lord to some of the hardest places in the world, <laughs> including Israel, to develop and to, to support and to strengthen unity between pastors and leaders, which brings a blessing. You know, folks, if you've been listening to us for a while, you know that we really believe what King David said when he said in Psalm 133, Everybody repeat that. Okay. What he said was, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. And Yeshua in John 17 said, They would know we were believers by our love. And he said that we would have this kind of unity as he has with the Father, that we could have it with each other. And Tom, above anyone else I know, has been doing this around the world. So, brother, what's new with Frontline? Miles, really good to be with you. We've had uh, quite a journey together. And I remember mm-hmm. some of those early days of Prayer Summit in Sonoma County. I think that began about mid-1990s. Yes. So I'm virtually, I believe, on the, on the cutting edge of a move of the Holy Spirit uh, that is bringing answers to Jesus' priestly prayer. We're all familiar with John 17, you know, where he prayed that those who follow him would be knit together in love, like a covenantal love. There was a, an, an apologetic in all of that as well, so that the world will believe. And so when we walk together in love and in, uh, in a culture of honor, to honor one another, prefer one another, uh, that's powerful. You just don't see that in our day filled with polarization and suspicion and rancor. And uh, so I'm on the cutting edge of that movement. I've been privileged uh, to facilitate over 900 leaders' prayer summits mm-hmm. in many cities and nations of the world, and actually to sit in in the waterfall, Miles, of God's commanded blessing in Psalm 133. Love it. So I, I partner with other organizations as well, but that's what I'm still up to. I need to ask, Tom, when I first met you, it, the conference was on spiritual warfare. I know that's been one of your emphases in the past, did this come to you by, I mean, obviously it's, it's the main theme in the gospel, the main theme in the word, but did this come by just right out of the word or was it uh, circumstances or revelation or how did this become the main thing in your life, the main ministry? Very good question, Miles. This traces back to the 1960s 
Wow. As a young person, very disillusioned with organized church and, uh, you know, everything that was happening in sixties, the cultural chaos. Mm-hmm. And so disillusioned with organized Christianity, I became a religious seeker. I have a keen searching intellect and I began exploring other options, metaphysics. Uh, mm-hmm. At one point I was a practicing astrologer, spiritism, Ouija boards, that whole realm of the occult. And I experienced firsthand the reality of, of supernatural world. And uh, so it came to a point I was very desperate. I traveled from Kennebunkport, Maine, in a car with friends. We passed Woodstock because of a bad weather forecast. Uh, I grew up in New York State, so I knew what was coming down at Woodstock. Mm-hmm. And went to the West Coast and met my first Jesus freak. Now, I'll never forget it in Olympia, Washington, a knock on the door. And there was a, a short, stubby guy there. And he was borrowing sugar for a meal he was making. And he looked up at me. He says, you, you really need the Lord, pal. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This, this simple gospel boldly stated. I, the rumor is that I've actually, I think they actually wrote about it. The rumor about Moish Rosen, who founded Jews for Jesus, is that yeah. his wife, Seal, that her neighbor said, you're such a nice person. It's a shame you're going to hell. <laughs> I gotta love that. And I've forgotten, Tom, that we have kind of similar past. We're probably similar in age as well. But, you know, they say, if you don't remember it, you were probably there. I was there and my friends and I left. So I not only was there, but I didn't stay there because I never fit in there. I never fit in anywhere. And that's actually came to me as a word of knowledge early in my my salvation. (laughs) A prophetic type came to our church and he said, you've never fit in anywhere because you don't belong anywhere except in the body of Christ. So here's this short, stubby guy. It wasn't me because it was way before I got saved. So a short, stubby guy who I could play in your movie. But he he just basically... Now, did you have church background before the metaphysical? Yes, I did. I did. I kind of grew up in an upper middle class white suburban church in Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. And the form, I call it the form of religion, but without the centrality of Jesus as being a real Lord or the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit, just people going through the motions of religion. And so I lost my first, my, my cousin, dear friend to suicide when I was 14 years old. Wow. 17 years old, my father died suddenly from a blood mm-hmm. clot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was actually the confidant of our pastor in our church. One year after that, our pastor hangs himself in the church basement. <sighs> And I'm gone. Yeah. I'm just out there. It's like, mm. hey, something's not adding up. So I plunged into the whole world of metaphysics, met this guy, David, in Olympia. And I'm thinking in my head, my, my first Jesus freak. I mean, this, is a, this is a real deal Jesus freak. He introduced me to Harley Goodwin. When I heard the name, Miles, I thought it was a comic strip character. <laughs> it, it was an Assembly of God pastor called to prison ministry. I became his chauffeur. And uh, Harley Goodwin shared his life with me, you know, things to read. So in October of 69, in his home in northern part of Washington State, I received Jesus. And that night, and this is kind of the fundamental reason why spiritual warfare, that night I said, Jesus, the devil has done everything imaginable to deceive me, divert me from you, destroy my life. I mean, I, I dealt with curses from sorcerers. I dealt with demonic attacks. Mm-hmm. The devil tried to take me out. And so I said to the Lord, if ever you want to use me to help others be free of Satan's devices, I'm your guy. Mm-hmm. Dangerous prayer. Yeah. <laughs> so that then led to the 1980s, a whole uh, world of developing teaching and discernment, spiritual authority, 
and then the writing of my book in 1990. It's amazing. My, my book is 30 years in print, five mm-hmm. publishers, and still selling well across the world. Wow. That's my core understanding of biblical protocols for how to rightly do spiritual warfare. So that was my life up until 1990. That was, I think, my second life. I don't want to miss the opportunity. We'll have all of this in the show notes, but tell us the name of the book and how they find it, because it's such a great one. Yeah, The Believer's Guide to Spiritual Warfare, published by Baker. The Believer's Guide to Spiritual Warfare. Amazon has it. It's probably the most easy get for the book. Great. And um, yeah, for anybody that really needs some solid biblical counsel on this, I revised it about six years ago. It's updated. And I really, really commend it to anybody who needs some, some help in that area. I knew you were the real thing when I met you when I was in graduate school. I was, you know, studying to be a marriage and family therapist. And it was uh, Dr. Burt, Dr. Burt Norcross invited some of the students to that conference in the late 80s. And we were born again into a warfare-style church. You know, we understood because we sent our pastor to India and Africa and Indonesia Mm -hmm. and kind of the tough places of the world. And so we would spend hours in prayer, and we were warfare-oriented, but not very educated. So when I heard you speak, I thought, oh, this guy's the real deal. And I began to kind of get to know you. And then when you were doing the Unity Summits Mm -hmm. uh, in the Northern California area, I was all in because... I was getting healed up from some things and I we actually I had a reconciliation with an old friend of mine through one of your meetings and I just personally experienced the power of John 17 the power of Psalm 133 through your ministry and gosh you've been you are going around the world with this message Yeah it's it's been a joyous journey Miles as I shared about 900 of these gatherings um and for a six year period in Israel twice a year uh, all through Australia. I've had 40 trips to India. And uh, I've now done prayer summits in Nepal, Bhutan, uh, Sri Lanka, many, many cities of India. I haven't traveled overseas in two years. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing virtual prayer summits, uh, yeah. typically a three-hour format. We did one recently with Calcutta, with um, Kathmandu. Um, and it's just a real joy, actually, to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit in the virtual format. And so uh, I I had anticipated a major meeting in Dubai in about a month from now, Mm -hmm. a meeting of global leaders that was canceled because of COVID issues. I was going to go to India for a three-week itinerary. That's off the table. And so I probably will start traveling again in the fall uh, to Singapore, India, Nepal, perhaps Bangladesh. So this is still my key core ministry is to bring leaders together in a community context to build the culture of honor, to prefer one another, and to walk together in covenantal unity. So I partner with movement.org out of New York City. And that's kind of under the spiritual leadership of Tim Keller, some fine men and women. I'm on the leadership team for that. So I actually work with city movements. We call them city gospel movements. Mm-hmm. And to bring unity of the body that then you know results in collaboration for the kingdom and harvest and uh, church planting, et cetera, et cetera. It's, uh, it's a real joy. So I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that there are some biblical themes when, you, when you're addressing unity issues. And I'm thinking about James 3.16, that where there's envy and strife, there's confusion in every evil work. Are there certain things that, that are kind of universal to cities where, I mean, I know it's human sin, essentially, whether we're leaders or not, human sin is the issue. But 
Are there certain themes that you see over and over again? Absolutely, Miles. You know, I guess one of the themes I, I see, what I look for in leaders in a city is um, kind of a dissatisfaction, a restlessness. Mm. The things the way they are just aren't working. And the leaders that will ask the question, what must we do together that we're not effectively getting done just in our own congregation or organization? Ephesians uh, is key. That's my favorite New Testament book. Me too. And just the view of the healthy, healthy body of Yeshua mm-hmm. uh, there in chapter four, from the middle of chapter four on into, into chapter five. It's all there. This is what a healthy, functional, citywide body looks like. You know, to speak truth to one another, to let not rancor or anger come up in your heart, you know, to honor one another, bless one another. Philippians 2 goes with that, you know, where it describes Jesus. He emptied himself. And Paul is very clear. He says, don't look at your own interests, but look to the interests of your brother or sister. Uh, honor that person, prefer that person. Mm. So, so this is a selfless covenantal love. And um, so I love it in the message. Uh, Eugene Peterson says it this way in Philippians 2, be deep spirited friends. Mm. And wow. so often what I will say to cities that have projects and all kinds of stuff going on, um, friendship precedes function. Good. An organic relationship, trust in our relationships, uh, precedes organizational stuff and strategies and projects. So we need to be real deal brothers and sisters in love with one another. Not perfect. We're all going to have stuff. I'm going to irritate you or annoy you. or that, That's all real. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But we, we need to keep intentional with this covenantal love and to build a healthy community-wide body of Christ. Yeah, and those relationships take time. They're taking investment. You know, you've got to go out of your way to be intentional about those relationships. That's absolutely right. It's it's a long-term labor of love. It's highly time and labor intensive. Hmm. Um, and but we have now currently fifty or sixty cities in India walking in this. Wow, it's, it's extraordinary. Um, and in in Israel, of course, you know, you and Catherine have such love uh, for Israel and for the Jewish people. But I started these in 1995 in the Galilee, <laughs> the Carmel Assembly uh, up in the yeah. north. And God broke into that meeting. And then we started with Jerusalem mm-hmm. and went twice a year for six years. And that then uh, morphed into sitting at Yeshua's feet. So they contextualized it. They kind of named it what they wanted to name it. Now, I'll never, ever forget at Beit Yedidia in Haifa, mm-hmm. the first prayer summit with leaders from Jerusalem. It was awful. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Two Jews, three opinions. It was awful. And they're sitting there in a circle saying, Who are you? Mm-hmm. And what do you you know, what do you have to give to us? Mm-hmm. And you know, I just felt like, okay, Lord, I just want to resign and you know, go somewhere else. And um, so one of the key leaders got up and left the room, says, I'm going back to Jerusalem. I'm going wow. home. About a minute later, he comes back in the room, puts a chair in the middle of the circle, starts weeping. Great. It says, I am so burned out. I'm so tired. I need you, brothers. Would you pray wow. for me? Oh, gosh, you're making me cry. Wow. I was just with Wayne Hillsden, our friend, yes. you know, who is uh, God's prince. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, he had that experience a few years ago of hearing the Lord say, Firm, Fellowship of Israel Related Ministries. And mm-hmm. he said, All right, God, I'll look for the right guy to lead this. <laughs> you know, it didn't take too long for God to say, It's, it's you, Wayne. <laughs> We just had dinner in Sausalito about a month ago, 
And he was recounting to me, we talk on many things, but he was recounting to me the, those early days of your summit meetings in, in Israel and how profound they were and what an effect they've had on the body there. Well, Miles, he, he was the gatekeeper, Wayne, that actually opened the door for me to do this in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Not surprised. He had that kind of portfolio and credibility. Yes. So I just honor him and bless him for opening that door. He's that guy. And we we were at a Messianic Leadership Roundtable with Jonathan Burnus, and he came and sat with me and he said, so is your wife a strong person? And I said, yeah, she's been with me all these years, so I'm thinking yes. <laughs> and he said, well, I'd like her to be on the board of directors for a firm. And I said, okay. And so she... Uh, like when I, when we took the TV program, I said, I won't do it without my wife. She said, well, I'll do this, but I want Miles to be with. So I kind of got Forrest gumped into being on the, on the board of firm. It's been a great journey with that organization. For those of us that are messianics out in the world trying to funnel prayer and money and support to Israeli ministries from all over the world, to have a kind of a central clearing place with the kind of integrity that Wayne and Michael Mistretta have, it has been an answer to prayer to see yeah. uh, kind of the, the form for or the structure, rather, for people to be able to uh, invest in life-giving ministries, both Arab and Jewish there. In a sense, it's connected to the early days of what you did, because it's kind of been built upon that sense of, okay, we're in this together, and we need to be supporting one another. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I know Michael and Vanessa also, they've kind of dipped into my world with city gospel movements, and uh, I just pray that, that this happens with depth in Tel Aviv and Mm. Haifa and the Galilee and Tiberias and Jerusalem, Uh, you know, the covenantal community wide body of Yeshua rises in health and uh, grows. Uh, I just honor Wayne for his faithfulness over these many years. Oh gosh. Like I say, I I believe it. You know, he is a prince among men. He's really that guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what's on the horizon? You're doing things by zoom right now. You're planning to get back on the road in the fall. I was just on online with a friend who's part of the Back to Jerusalem movement out of China. We've ministered together in Shanghai and in Dubai uh, to the Chinese church and also to a former Soviet satellite country to the Iranians. And he was just saying that as the West has locked down, the East has opened up. And I don't know if you're experiencing that as well, but we're insane in this country and in Australia and Canada. We're just, you know, fascistic about the lockdown. And he said that as that's been happening, his closed countries that he's been in for 20 plus years, they're opening up. Are you experiencing that as well? Well, interestingly, in a month from now, I was supposed to be in Dubai for mm-hmm. Movement Day Middle East. Michael and Vanessa were going to be there for that. Uh, Wonderful. But because of COVID, that's been postponed. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of years ago, Movement Day Dubai, I was there, and it was a, what I call, Miles, a kingdom historic gathering. Wow. Where for the first time, you know, the leaders from all the different denominations and streams of the body of Christ were allowed to come together publicly by the UAE government to worship and pray. So I was there for that one day gathering at a major hotel, very visible. So what was supposed to happen next month was Movement Day Middle East, where uh, kingdom leaders would come from other countries in the Middle East. That now will be a year from February, and they're expecting eight to 10,000 to join, basically to worship and to pray and to say, how do we bring the gospel to this part of the world? Now, I mentioned this in October. I'll be in Singapore for Movement Day Asia, and I'm on the planning team for this. I'm going to lead the prayer track, and this will be inviting city movements from uh, the whole region, from, mm-hmm. from Southeast Asia. South Asia included China, Taiwan, Korea, Japan, Philippines, 
for a major gathering. We're expecting about 800 key leaders from cities across Asia that are keen on John 17 unity. And uh, we simply want to kind of expose them to what this is, how to grow this kind of a movement. And so my main laboratory, the neighborhood I've been working in, is South Asia. And it's not just India, but it's inclusive of those other nations surrounding. Mm -hmm. It is the strongest region right now in the world for city movements by far. But now we're moving this beyond to be more inclusive of cities across all of Asia So that will become my primary kind of laboratory going forward, hopefully coming out of virtual and, you know, perhaps by late spring now or summer, for sure in the fall, actually traveling again and being on site with leaders that are really keen to grow a healthy movement. That's fantastic. So on a personal note, your family as well, people are thriving? Very well. Yep. Terry is with me. She's my number one advisor, intercessor. Mm -hmm. Uh, She helps me lead these prayer summits. She's very good with the classic spiritual disciplines. She's a trained spiritual director. So she does Lectio Divina um, in many of these prayer summits. Our children, Josh, lives in Washington, D.C. He uh, served on the National Security Council in the Obama administration for two years. Mm -hmm. Is now a professor of foreign policy at Johns Hopkins University. And our daughter, Melissa, lives in Siliguri, India. Northeast India, she does development work, uh, animal health training, and goat breeding for poor village people. And she's a rock star. (laughs) Wow, you've done good. (laughs) That's quite a testimony of your kids Mm -hmm. coming up under the the strength, the power, and the love of the Lord. That's fantastic. Yeah. They're they're both givers. Actually, let me say this. We did Shabbat. We did a Shabbat meal in our home with our kids, Joshua and Melissa, growing up. You know, Mm -hmm. we, we kind of adapted it and write a bunch yeah. of stuff and kind of put together our own little, you know, Shabbat. Mm-hmm. And it so impacted Josh without fail. He does Shabbat every Saturday night in their home. Mm-hmm. They do wow. worship. They do quiet listening together. They pray for one another. And then on Sunday itself, they go to church in the morning, but they have mandatory naps, a mandatory sharing time. It's just beautiful to see that legacy yes. of Shabbat. Yeah. And for audience, I like the way you said adaptive because I encourage Christians always to remember that man was not made for Shabbat, but Shabbat for man. So you can adapt the Hebraicisms into your own life and culture in a way that works for you. The main point is that God is in the midst and you're with the people you love. You know, it's not about the rituals and the ceremonial things necessarily. You just want to have that time that's dedicated to the Lord and where you get to fellowship with him and with each other. And it's really okay. You don't have to dress up like Jews. You don't have to try to mimic the, what you imagine Tevya might do in a movie. But just get together with your family and honor God, honor each other, and make that a kind of a habit. And I do a, a sermon called The Mystery of Shabbat where I kind of like gentilize it for the people so that they Mm -hmm. understand that don't dress up and try to be like my family was when I was growing up. It doesn't work. It's not necessary. What you want to do is let God lead you in how to do this so that the point is that Yeshua is at the center and you're with the people Mm -hmm. you care about. That's beautiful language. I like the way you've described it. (laughs) Yeah, it is mysterious. There's something very sweet and wonderful. We're here in Dallas to see our family and we did this Friday night with a family that they have a messianic band. They're Gentiles with a messianic band, brilliant singers and musicians, five children. And then we've got our mm-hmm. little grandson who's only two. We had this house full of activity, you know, and mm-hmm. it was very casual and few adults around. But the idea is that, I don't know, there's just something very 
Yeah, I love that. I forget the guy's name now. That Strabo, the historian, was sent by Rome to Israel to find out what was going on in this outermost bank. You know, this this wilderness in Judea. What's going on there? And he came back and he said, "I saw because it was a slave economy in Rome. They had twenty four seven workers, right?" Yeah. He came back and he said, "I saw a building greater than the Colosseum, the temple. I saw a sea in which a man could not drown, the Dead Sea, and I saw an economy that works on six days." <laughs> That's a true story. I learned that from the, the prime archaeologist at the city of David. We were underneath <laughs> filming him, and he said, yeah. did you know this? And I said, no, I didn't, but I will repeat it all the time. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. So it sounds like things are ongoing, that the COVID has not shut down what you're doing. It's changed it a little bit, but it has mm-hmm. not shut that down. Yeah, I, I serve, Miles, on 11 leadership teams. Oh. I lead five of them and then serve on six of them. I'm up sometimes three or four mornings a week at three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Because for me at 4 a.m. in Oregon, that's mm-hmm. 11 p.m. in Sydney. Mm-hmm. So I, I get the O, o Dark 100 assignment. Yep. <laughs> my, my colleagues out there down under have late evening. And there's a significant change going on right now. I, I'm calling it my fourth life. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm at what I would describe as the sage stage and mm-hmm. kind of available to a lot of leaders. And I'm going through a name change, an organizational shift from frontline ministries, mm-hmm. and that was my spiritual warfare handle, to City Advance. Mm-hmm. So we're moving here in January to change the name to City Advance. I'm adding people to my board. And basically who I am and what I'm up to is to help advance the building of healthy, sustainable body of Christ in cities across the world. Wow. That then we'll collaborate together to, to discern, man, how do we reach people? How do we really penetrate strongholds, you know, of darkness and and bring in the harvest? And so this is fresh. I, I actually feel it's my fourth life. And so I will begin traveling again, hopefully, you know, by late spring and going forward. But currently I'm I'm traveling virtually every day through WhatsApp and Zoom connections into the hearts and lives of leaders around the world. It's quite a privilege. Yeah, well, you're the right guy for the job. Like Wayne was chosen by God. I believe you were chosen by God for this very work. What is the latest book about the City Reaching Movement that you've done or any resource that you want our listeners to know about? Sure. Thanks. Um, I wrote about four years ago, The Practitioner's Guide. You know, I had The Believer's Guide to Spiritual Warfare. That was 1990. Mm -hmm. About four years ago, The Practitioner's Guide, Building City Gospel Movements. You know, that is also... Amazon, people are really keen on what I'm describing here. Mm-hmm. You know, the body of Christ, leaders in the body saying, look, we're tired of being in a silo. We're yes. tired of just doing our own thing in our own way. We want to experience what a healthy citywide body of Yeshua looks like. That would be the book I would commend. Uh, and again, The Practitioner's Guide, Building City Gospel Movements. I also have a case of them here. And I mean, if anybody wants one, you know, go on my website. The website currently is FL for Frontline, flministries.org. And you can order the book through that website also. Right. And we'll have that in show notes. Yeah. And then I'm available. You know, you can send my contact information to anybody that says, man, I heard this guy talk about a mm-hmm. city gospel movement. You know, man, this is a new phrase for me. This is a new concept. Uh, I'm available to just help consult and share the vision. I've got some excellent vision casting slides for that. So anybody that's hearing this, I'm available to help you catalyze it, ignite it. 
That's good. So if you're listening to this and you are a leader in your town, your city, your area, uh, this may be the resource that you need in order to gather the other pastors, the other leaders together. Maybe God's landing on you as you hear Tom speak. He may be landing on you with the anointing to be the key guy that pulls mm -hmm. it together. Somebody's got to do it, you know. And so I think that that's a conceptual change because, as you say, we tend to be siloed, and it's a kind of miraculous yeah. when we kind of step outside of that and reach with each other. I know we had some phenomenal experiences in the Sonoma County mm -hmm. group in Marin County, and uh, speaking of Marin County, I guess, whew, I, do we dare talk about losing our friend Bill Berry? Heaven's gain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my actually closest colleague in this that I trained, uh, mm -hmm. Bill Berry, is from Marin. Mm -hmm. He was a pastor there, I think, 30 years. Yes. Moved to Lancaster, PA with his mm -hmm. family, yeah. and shockingly uh, passed just about... 36 hours ago. Yeah. Um, Bill trekked with me through all of South Asia and Australia. So he carried John 17 covenantal love. That mm -hmm. was Bill Berry. Yep. And um, so I just pray his legacy continues. Um, I'll kind of pick up the slack from a lot of what Bill carried. Mm. And, you know, he was helping me move towards city advance also, Miles. He was chairman of my frontline ministry board. Mm -hmm. um, if anybody else is really keen on this, the new website is going to be cityadvance.org. We transformed the platform. So if you really want to know what I'm talking about, that's where it is, cityadvance.org. And we're going to update it, obviously, but that's kind of where the information is. I've got that down. It'll be in the show notes. And we want to look forward to tracking with you. And I want people to feel free to pretty quickly and immediately donate to Frontline, to City Advance, because uh, this is something that is the heart of God. The heart of God is that we would be one, as he is one with the Father. And speaking of Bill, it was a joy to see him pull us together locally in Northern California and then see God launch him into the nations with you. I mean, it was so satisfying to see uh, him retire from the local, retire, quote unquote, from the local pastorate and then have this mm -hmm. worldwide platform where he was just, you know, I guess your armor bearer at first and then your partner. Yes. Yes, partner. And then actually, he took on Sri Lanka two years ago, <laughs> all the city movements there. He went to Africa four times, did city prayer summits for leaders in Kenya, to Tanzania. So yeah, Bill really kind of cultivated his own path and his own, his own ministry. Visible unity. Yeah. Right. Well, Tom, thank you so much for taking the time. I know how busy you are. I didn't know you were on the Zero Dark uh, program. So that's <laughs> that makes it especially nice. I know we do uh, we do Zoom in in uh, California. Sometimes our Israeli friends are the, on the four a.m. track when they're teaching people. We we have a Jewish studies program at the Father's House, uh, where I serve, and he uh, sometimes the guys will call in at four a.m. So God bless him. But you're on the international zero dark. Right. So right. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Miles. Here I am, Lord. Send Tom. <laughs> so God bless you, brother. Thank you for being here. Your life answers the question, the hope behind the headlines. You're living it, you're sharing it, and people are being advanced by your anointed teaching, preaching, just all of the giftings that you bring to a local community. So I just want to say thank you. Well, it's been a joy being with you. Just give warm greetings to Catherine and Others that may know me, uh, remember me from the journey of the past 20 years or so. Uh, thanks for the invite. We'll do. We'll stay in touch. Shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom to you. 
Wow. Well, I am sure you've been strengthened and encouraged. God is at work. We are excited to see here and there, now and then, one by one, people coming to know the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the world. And let's face it, folks, He is the hope behind the headlines. If you've enjoyed this, please give us a five-star review. Please share this with your friends. We're in many nations now. We're starting to get some traction with these podcasts. And I believe these interviews are with people that are worth hearing from. They're doing wonderful work around the world. And we want to encourage you to send suggestions. If there's somebody you think I should interview, please let us know. And certainly come and visit us at MK Hop, Miles Catherine, House of Peace, Miles and Catherine Weiss. We're everywhere on the web. Come and visit us. Get a copy of our book, When Heaven Hits Home, Ancient Wisdom for Today's Couples. It's not just about marriage, but also it's a relational guide to conflict resolution. It has homework for any relationship, whether it's parents and children or bosses and employees, vice versa. And just avail yourself of the resources that we provide on our website and get in touch with us, stay in touch with us, help us if you can by supporting us. We're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. So any donations you make to MK Hop, to the House of Peace, are tax deductible. Until we see you again, I just want to say to look up Your redemption is coming soon. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of To Life, where we look for the hope behind the headlines. It was great to speak with our guest today, and we're looking forward to very many more issues with you. We'll be able to cover things of culture, politics, spirituality, because it is a chaotic world out there, but there's always hope behind the headlines and a message to life.